This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Well, welcome to our spiritual growth campaign. Say established. Come on, say it louder. Established. As you can see, I'm in one of the sweatshirts. I hope I don't get too hot preaching, but doesn't it look good? You want to get one on the way out. There's a lot of different shirts and jackets and different things. As uh, Pastor Kevin said, we want to just equip you. You look fashionable, but most of all, we're wearing a message of hope. We're messengers of hope, and we're going to take it everywhere to everyone. And we're so excited for spiritual growth campaign. I hope your first week in your life group was a good week. How many are in a life group? Wave at me if you're in a life group. Yeah, we had a life group in our house last night. A a bunch of young adults just invaded our house as Andrew, my son, is leading a group. I hope you're in a group as well. Now, let me say it's not too late. We just got started. This week is week number one uh, that we just finished up. So it's not too late. Groups are just getting rolling, just going. So if you haven't yet joined a group or maybe you filled out a card and we didn't uh, you didn't hear from us that meant something went wrong we want to connect with you we want to make sure you get connected to a group so ushers are walking up and down the aisle they have the life group card if you didn't get a card or if you need a card just wave at them when they walk up and down and we'll get you one of those cards fill that out And then when you're leaving, you can give it to an usher or you can take it to the center of the lobby where all the merchandise is if you're in the building and we'll help you to get connected. We want everybody to be a part of a group. We want you to get into a circle. Circles are better than rows because circles know and rows don't know. And when you get into a a circle, we get to know one another. We walk a journey of life. We talk about what we're talking about on the stage, on a service, on a weekend, in a deep way in the life group so that you can unpack it. So we want you to be uh, in a group. It's not too late. And also those daily devotionals. Now those daily devotionals are vital. It's what's going to grow the roots of your faith deeper, deeper, and deeper. If you didn't get one of our kits, the kits over here, if you didn't get one of the kits, you can pick one up online or on the way out today. And the daily devotions are found in the two books that go with the kit. And again, you can get that on the way out today. And this is vital to helping you be established in Christ. So I'm excited. Today we're going to be talking about transforming my thoughts. Turn to your neighbor, say, get ready. It's a good word. Say, get ready. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 is our opening verse. The scripture says, we looked at it a number of weeks ago, a little bit in in depth, but let me just use it as a springboard for our talk today. Your attitude, say attitude, thoughts, your attitude should be the same, underline it, circle it, as that of Christ Jesus. Lord, today as we talk about transforming our thoughts, I pray, God, that you indeed will help us transform our thoughts to be like you that our lives would be a reflection of your glory that we would think and act and do what you would do 
Bless this message, I pray, in your name. Amen and amen. If you've ever been in a small plane, a few weeks ago, I was uh, in uh, the nation of Belize, and we flew in, and as we arrived, we had to catch a little 12-seater small plane to go over to the small island that we would be working and teaching and working with the pastors and churches there. So we climbed up into that small plane, and there was only one uh, employee on the plane, and that was the pilot. Nobody else, you know, it was just him and about eight or nine of us. We climbed in. I was actually the first seat right behind the pilot. Uh, the co-pilot seat was empty. And so, you know, being the leader I am, I decided I'm going to get up front just in case I have control of my destiny, you know. And so I was like right behind, not that I knew what was going on. You know, there was like a thousand buttons that that was there, a little small plane. But but as we got ready to take off, we began to go up. There was this little gauge. I mean, it, it almost looked like a video game gauge that was there. It looked really cheap, to be honest. But it's what's called the attitude indicator. Say that, attitude indicator. The attitude indicator is this little instrument and what it do, does is it, it shows the position of the plane on the horizon. And when the plane is climbing, it is said to have a nose high attitude. And when the nose of the plane begins to point above the horizon, the plane begins to uh, climb in the air. Now, when the attitude indicator is under the horizon. Now it's called a nose down attitude and the nose of the plane is down below the horizon. And there we were climbing or there we were coming down. It was a cool experience. Everything obviously went good. Here I am uh, today. I didn't have to take controls. He did really great. It was a great experience. But today I'm using that to help us to see what God wants to do in you and I. And that is there are some spiritual indicators, say spiritual indicators, that are important for you and I to be established in Christ, to have the mind of Christ. The attitude of the plane could be changed by the pilot making adjustments. And what I'm here to tell you today is the attitude of a believer can be changed if we make some adjustments. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4 and verse 23, instead, let the spirit renew. That word renew literally means that the spirit can make new. The Spirit not only can renew, but the Spirit can adjust your mind, your thoughts, your attitude. The Spirit can turn you around and give you the right thoughts and attitude. Now, why is that important? It's because we live in a, a fallen world. We live in a world that's impacted by sin. We live in a world that pulls us into its values and we begin to adopt and adapt its attitudes, and therefore we find that our thoughts, our mind, our attitude could be not what Christ would want us to have, but instead it can turn selfish. It can be self-centered and self-seeking. And therefore, just as a pilot can control the attitude, the, 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 the direction of the plane, you and I can determine and adjust our attitude, which will address, adjust the direction of our life. So today we're talking about 
the title of the message is Transforming My Thoughts. Paul says it like this in another book. We just looked in the book of Philippians and then Ephesians, but then he said to the church over in Corinth, he's the same author, he's writing the same theme, and over to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, we can understand these things. Why? Because we have the mind of Christ. You see, being established must start with having the mind of Christ, transforming our thoughts where we focus on God, where the Spirit of God is drawing us to become more like Christ, and therefore we're focused on spiritual things because we have the mind of Christ. John Maxwell says it like this in one of his small books. He says, you are only one attitude away from success. What I'm saying today is you're one attitude away from walking and living and being established the way Christ would want you to be. Now, if I could for a moment, I want to help to define our thoughts. I want to really help us to understand what goes into that. So a definition for it, I think I have it in your outline there, is all the ways in which we are conscious, conscious of things, our memory, our perceptions, our beliefs, the information that we receive. It's all of the ways that we are conscious. It's really made up of four different aspects that work together. Now, if I could step into the realm of psychology for a moment, and I'm not a psychologist, and, and, and I don't claim to have all the understanding here, but if I could step out of a spiritual moment and help you to see how it's going to connect by stepping into the mind and, and the realm of psychology, that, that our thoughts are, are working together from four different aspects. The first aspect of our thoughts are, are, are what we call the ideas. The ideas, and there you go, you can fill in all the blanks. Uh, they went ahead and, and gave you all the blanks, so go ahead and fill those in, is our ideas. <laughs> Obviously, you know I don't like it like that, right? <laughs> I want to teach you point by point by point, but you got all four. Fill them in real quick and then listen to me. Are you ready? All right. Our ideas. Now, our ideas are the ways that we think about life. There are perspectives. Now, quite honestly, in the realm of psychology, it will tell you that our ideas can be formed by many different things. They are formed by our upbringing, they're formed by our culture. If you were raised in another culture, or if you're a third culture uh, family, you're, you're a, a Haitian or a Jamaican or a Trinidadian family, and you are raised in America, now you're not truly in Trinidad, Jamaica, or Haiti, so you're not fully living like that, but you still have customs from, uh, from, from your, your homeland, and yet you're in America, and you're not fully thinking or formed or, or processing like an American. And so you're a, a third culture, they would say. Well, that impacts us, our family, our upbringing, our culture, our friends, now social media and television and all of these things, our education, our experience, all of that are ideas that form who we are and it affects the way you see life and the way you live life. You can't help it. It's the ideas that are there. Ideas about what is a, what is family, 
What is death? How do you handle those things? And, 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 and ideas about education or government or our faith and all of these areas. Now, I'm not saying one is right or wrong. I'm saying if we step into this realm, these ideas have an impact on your thoughts. It's very, very difficult for you and I sometimes to recognize which ideas are influencing or controlling the responses of our life. Have you ever tried to figure out why did you say what you said or why did you do what you did? And it's very hard to pull that down and understand why did you do it? Was it something from your upbringing, something from your culture, something from that which you've learned, something of an influence from your friends? All of these things are working within you if you realize it or not. So when we talk about transforming our thoughts, we must understand, first of all, what is impacting you and I and realize that we have this idea system that we are adopting things from. And as we do, sometimes it leads us to do that which is not pleasing to God and not biblical and not rooted in the word of God, but it's rooted in other things. Could be rooted in our culture again, our tradition. It could be rooted from the evil that's in man's heart. All of these ideas influence us and we've got to understand it. The second, you have it there, is images. Now, images are more concrete. It's more specific. And boy, it can stir up within us strong feelings. Sometimes it's referred to as word associations. So if I were to begin to mention a few things and you begin to see a picture, it will have an emotional response and it's much more concrete. So for example, if I start talking about hairstyles, somebody with long hair and you have long hair, it brings up an image. Now, when it's a female with long hair, it gives you one thought, but if it's a male with long hair, it might give you another thought. Maybe he's a surfer. Maybe he's from Jamaica. Maybe, you know, all kinds of thoughts. No, 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 I'm not, no, I didn't, no judgments, no. I'm just saying it has thoughts and your laughter is an indication of it. If I say short hair, it has a thought. If it's short hair on a male or short hair on female, it has a thought. If I say skinhead, now I didn't say bald head, I said skinhead. You chose to shave it off. <laughs> A bald headed guy would say, why would you shave off your hair? I wish I had it. Skin hair. If I say green hair, what's it bring up? My grandchild. <laughs> I don't know. What, what's the thought? Orange hair. Purple hair. I mean, it brings up these images. What if I begin to talk about clothing, alternative clothing, preppy clothing, hip-hop clothing, <laughs> stylish clothing? I don't mean, what, what is it bringing? Okay, here's one I know is going to get a reaction. It will get a reaction from somebody. If I were to say your Sunday best, What do you think of when I say your Sunday best? For some, they're thinking what I'm wearing today. For others, they're thinking something totally different. 
And by the way, for some Sunday's best, it may include hats and it may not include hats. I'm just saying. What if I say about the American flag and it comes up? Well, if you're an American, it brings up some feelings. If you're not an American, it could bring up an entirely different set of feelings. Music. What if I mention the Titanic? The moment I mention the Titanic, what do you think of? Leonardo? I don't know. Who do you? you, Oh, now I didn't choose the pictures, by the way. (laughs) What if I talk about healthy diets, you know, uh, keto or Atkins? I think about hunger as soon as I think of those things, right? Optiva, Ginny Craig, what, what comes? What about painful, negative, painful experiences? September 11th, what's the image that comes to your mind? George Floyd, what image comes to your mind? The Parkland shootings. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas thoughts, what, what comes up? Okay, let's switch it. What do we, we say the cross? It's got some thoughts. We say the upper room. It's got some thoughts. Do you know advertisers are spending thousands and millions of dollars? Do you know the the cost of a Super Bowl 15-second and 30-second ad is so, so much money? Why? It's because they know the power of those images within our minds. So our thoughts are made up of ideas. Our thoughts are made up of images, but our thoughts are also made up of information. You see, without information, our ability to think has no platform. We've got to have this information to have accurate understanding. Well, those first three inform the last, and that was our intelligence. So our ideas, our images, the information begins to give our minds the ability as we're receiving it and we're processing it and we're seeing what we're seeing, that information now enables us to process, to come to our own conclusions. So as we shift through those ideas, those images and that information, we then can make our decisions. So you can see in all of this that our mind is a powerful thing. Can I hear amen? (laughs) It helps me to understand who I am. It helps me to understand what do I think. It helps me to know what am I going to do. Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects my face, so your mind shows what kind of person you are. I am what I think but I also do what I think. Proverbs says it like this, be careful what you think. Why? Because your thoughts run your life. One way of thinking about it is that my thoughts are the train tracks of my actions, and that becomes the locomotive of my life. So why are we talking about this? And why did I step into this realm? Is because we can't begin to look at it spiritually unless we understand what must be transformed, the transforming of our mind. When you dive into your life group this week, I will talk about wrong thinking begins to influence negative emotions. Those negative emotions will lead to unwise behavior that can have devastating consequences. 
Let me reverse it back and look at it another way. If, if, if you look at the consequences and you begin to track back, when something has happened, many times it's because there's been some unwise behaviors. Those unwise behaviors, if you step back again, are based on some kind of negative emotion that is built out of some kind of wrong thinking. And you begin to see the impact of that. If I use this illustration that's here, if I uh, really believe that I am a sinner, that I am, 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 and I'm thinking about what does that mean as I'm a sinner, and, and therefore in the eyes of God, he rejects me and he throws me away. If I have that kind of thinking, my past mistakes, the, the things that I've done, the, the ways that I've lived, that, that I am a sinner rejected by God, that thinking will have an impact on my life. Now, what I'm here to tell you today is our thinking has got to be transformed. Can I hear an amen? That I'm a failure, that my life is falling apart, that, that every decision that I make, everything that I do is that I'm a failure. I cannot succeed. If I have that kind of thinking, it will impact my life. But I'm here to say today that there is a transformation that God wants to do, that I'm terrible, that I cannot do anything good, that, that everything I try, it doesn't succeed, that, that, and, and, and I just begin to internalize all of that. But I'm here again today to tell you that God wants to transform, that, that you are worthless. Amen. Let's rip it up, right? Because in the guise of God, you're not. All of these things we could just begin to throw in. And what happens is God begins to help you and I to see if I flip it around that no, there is a right thinking that leads to positive emotions that'll lead me into wise wisdom. And, and I will make decisions based on God that will have fruitful consequences. So if we begin to look at, no, no, we're wise in God. We're wise in the ways of God because we study the words of God and God begins to transform my thinking through Jesus Christ. What's this one? I'm kind. <laughs> I, you know, if we keep going, God transform me. I'm brave. These are called daily affirmations. When I begin to write out my affirmations of who I am in Christ. No, I'm brave. I'm courageous. This is a biblical word. I'm courageous. Amen. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm amazing. There you go. I'm amazing. Every now and then I got to just remind myself, I'm amazing. There's a picture right there. Go ahead, Tim. I'm amazing. See that one on social media. I am loved. I am worthy. I am redeemed. Someone give the Lord praise. You see, what I'm saying is your mind is powerful. Just want you to say it. Your mind, my mind is powerful. And because it's powerful, the enemy of your soul has schemes to try to tell you you're something that you're not and to begin to form your thoughts so that you would begin to turn away from what God would want and to go away that would be rebellious to God. And therefore, the battle is in the mind. The mind is the battlefield. And we've got to learn to recognize it. Paul says it this way, same author that we've been studying. Now he's writing over to the church in Rome. 
And Paul says it like this. We've looked at three other churches he's talked to. Now he's talking to believers in Rome. And he says in chapter 7 of the Living Bible, I love to do God's will. Don't you love that? I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else that's deep within me that's at war with my mind. And it wins. The fight, it wins that fight, and it makes me a slave to sin. Wow. Within me, there is this battle that's going on. Now, that's called your old nature. Your old nature is an enemy to what God wants to do. The carnality of man, the, 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 the old nature is pulling you. It's an urge. It's a tug that's pulling you, and it's a fight. That was our SGC, our spiritual growth campaign last year, is that there is a fight, and the fight, the battle is in your mind, and it's at war within my mind, and it wins that fight, and it makes me a slave to the sin that's within me. But Paul is going to continue, and he says this, though, in the next screen, in my mind. We're talking about transforming my thoughts. I want to do God's will. I want to be God's servant. But instead, I find myself enslaved to sin. It's a spiritual battle, and it's a transformation that we have to fight. Paul says it like this back to the church of Corinth. We live in the world, but we do not fight the same way that the world fights. We fight with weapons that are different from those that the world uses. Why? Our weapons have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong place. Remember, the battlefield is your mind. What Paul's really talking about here in this talk about spiritual warfare to the church of Corinth is there is a battle in your mind, but you can win the battle. And he says you win it this way, when you take captive every thought and you make it what? Obey, obedient to Christ. That is just powerful. When I take captive every thought, the greatest battles are those that are going to be fought in the chambers of my mind. And if I can win that battle in the imagination, in the uncontrolled thoughts, in the lust, in the, in the false things that would come against the knowledge of Christ, when I win that battle in the chambers of my mind, there's victory in my life. And that's where the Holy Spirit is working. And that is where the enemy is working. And Paul would say, there's a fight that's going on and it's in my mind. If the Holy Spirit helps me and directs me and leads me to embrace the will of God and the ways of God, now my behavior will begin to follow and I'll walk in God's way because I'm obedient to the mind of Christ. But the reverse is also true, that if I allow the enemy to tell me things that I'm not, and I'm not living as I'm redeemed by Christ, and I'm taking every thought captive, then the reality is I begin to believe it, and emotions begin to rise up, and I find myself doing unwise things that are not aligning to God's will and ways, and there can be painful consequences on the other side. But God has given you and I freedom and the power to select, and he allows us to determine what we're going to let our minds dwell on. 
We are the pilot of our life and we are the ones that get to decide what our minds will focus on and how we can overcome in a world where the enemy is trying to ruin us and get us off of the wills and the plans of God. And therefore, the very front line of this battle is a battle against the enemy and the enemy battles you through temptation. The battle against you in your mind is a battle of temptation. Temptation is not wrong, but the enemy comes and he begins to make you think something. He implants thoughts. He gives you emotions. God's given you godly emotions, but the enemy corrupts those emotions. And if I begin to act upon that which the enemy brings in the way of a temptation and I act on it. Now I've done something that is unwise and there can be very painful consequences on the other side. James affirms this. In James chapter 1, James says we are tempted by our own desires. The enemy doesn't make you sin. He lays the temptation out there and then we choose to give in and to sin. And man, James would say, you're tempted by your desires and it drags you off. It's like bait. You're being enticed. It's like going fishing and you got the best lure, the best bait that's out there. The enemy is throwing specific bait at each and every one of us. He knows what your temptations are. He knows what your weaknesses are. And when you choose to give in, it's because there's something, wrong thinking or emotions that I begin to act on and it pulls you away and it makes you sin. And James will continue to say, and when sin is finished, it what? It leaves us spiritually dead. My choices, my emotions, what I'm thinking, it pulls me towards the world's values and therefore the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life are things that we will battle nonstop. So if I could take us now from this is what it means. These are our thoughts. This is the belief that we've got to understand of what makes up our thoughts. If we're going to be established in Christ, there's got to be a transformation of my thoughts. And I've got to win this battle. Winning the battle comes down to our daily choices. And our daily choices have a huge impact. I shared with you last week in Romans uh, chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul says it this way in Romans, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. When we talk about winning the battle, he says, don't copy the what? The behaviors and the what? Customs of the world. So if I'm, if I'm, copying, I love the message Bible, I'm being squeezed into the, the, the mold of the world. If I'm copying and I'm allowing my life to be squeezed into the world's mold and I'm embracing its thinking and I'm embracing its values and I'm embracing its lifestyles and everything it's telling us, then it will pull me away from God in this process that we're talking about. But... He says, let God do what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Today, we're talking about transforming your thoughts. Don't be molded by the world, but instead be transformed into a new person in the way you 
think. Now, if you miss the sermon today, the next four weeks are going to be useless for you. I'm just being honest. If you don't transform your thoughts, it will not transform your life. If you don't transform the way you think, you will not be established with the mind of Christ and walk in Christ the way Christ wants you to be. So it must start by being established in the way that I think. If I could end this sermon right here, I would end it on this verse. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, then when that happens, now the result is you will know what God wants you to do. It starts with the way I think. Then I can do what God wants me to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Hallelujah. The rest of the sermon is just, how do I do it? So for the next few minutes, I want to give you three practical ways. How do I win this battle? How do I transform my mind? Now, as simple as it's going to sound, it's a lifelong journey. <laughs> it's a lifelong journey. Why? It's because I've got these ideas. I don't always know where they come from. I got these these thoughts that come and, and I, and I see things and I hear things and, and I read things and I'm taught things and, and all of that stuff is, is, oh, God, I just need the mind of Christ. Oh, I want is Jesus. Help me, Lord, to set my eyes on you. But man, I live in a world and it's so easy to become like the world. So how do I win this battle? The first, I'm going to use three, I'm going to oh, do alliteration sermon here. I'm going to use three simple thoughts, and that is first, you got to feed your mind. Say, feed my mind. You see, what you think on is how you will act. Right thinking leads to godly lifestyle, and that brings the peace of God. Wrong thinking leads to unwise decisions that can have very painful consequences. Paul says it this way, when we're talking about feeding your mind, and I'm going to talk about two things that I, I really think that we must constantly have as our affirmation. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, Philippians 4, 8, this one thing I want to tell you, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things. They are excellent and they are worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and you saw me doing. Keep thinking and doing that. Then God will be with you and you will do God's good and perfect will. Can I hear an amen? You feed your thoughts. He says, think on this. You know, there was a study done 
It was done, it was a 12-year study at the University of Tennessee, and it was done by a professor by the name of Dr. Jack uh, Hatkins, I think is how you say, say his name. And for 12 years, they had two study groups. One study group, on the way to work, they would listen to the local news on the radio. The other study group would, would just listen to very uplifting music. So for 12 years, they had two study groups. For five minutes every morning, at least, they had to listen to either the morning news on the way to work, or they had to listen to uplifting music. And in these two groups, at the end of the 12 years, when they were testing them all the way through it, they found that the study group that listened to the news every morning had much more negative feelings every day. And throughout the study, they began to found that that study group that listened to the morning news, they were more depressed. They believed that the world was more of a negative place. They, they were less likely to help people. And they really began to believe that what they heard was actually really going to happen to them. And in this empirical research, it was a phenomenal, just five minutes, five little minutes every day, listening either to negative or positive influenced how they believed. See, what you feed your mind is important. So I'm going to give you two suggestions. First of all, feed your mind on things that are accurate about God. Think things about who God is, the ways of God, the greatness of God, the creativity of God. I mean, when you see the flowers and you go to the ocean and you go into the mountains, you see how beautiful God really is. Romans eleven thirty three says it this way. Oh, the depth of riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments are in his path beyond trace. I mean, when we think about who God really is, can I tell you, worship music really helps that. When you put worship music on in the morning, when you're listening to maybe scriptures as you're driving into work, man, all of a sudden, when you really know who God is and you feed your mind on the accuracy of the character and the nature of God and the ways of God, why do I love testimonies? Is it reminds me who God is. He was like this. He's done it for them. He can do it for me. I believe it. Man, when I get into the Word and I study the Word of God, I look in there, I begin to see who God is. I see the I am statements of God. I begin to see what Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Man, when I have a need, I know that he's the bread of life. Something happens within me. He says, I am the light of the world. It begins to direct my thoughts. I am the good shepherd. Man, when I need leading, what am I doing? Is I'm going to the good shepherd. It changes what I think. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the son of God. It's the promises of God. And man, it changes the way I think. And what I love about SGC and especially this year's SGC is, man, this book is vitally important. This book will help you to understand what are the right beliefs about God, 
What is it that God wants and desires? What is success in the eyes of God? What pleases God with my life? This book is going to help us to understand it. And then what is the character of Christ? What is the robe of righteousness that he wants me to put on in my life? It will help you. For 40 days, you begin to feed your mind about God. But secondly, you got to feed your mind about yourself. So you got to have a proper view of who you are, your identity in Christ, who God sees you to be. See, some of you, when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you're listening more to your self-talk than your God talk. You're, 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 you're believing so many things that God would say, no, it's so much different. Zechariah, he says this. He says, chapter 3, the Lord your God is with you. We sing it. He is mighty to save. He's mighty to save. Do you believe it? He's mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. His eye is on you. He's not left you. He's not abandoned you. His eye is on you. He rejoices over you with singing. You see, you got to feed your mind about who am I in Christ. Now, the best way to do that, by the way, is what we call daily affirmations. Maybe you just need to start writing out a list of affirmations of who you are in Christ. And every morning, as you begin your day, you just read through it. You speak it. You, you declare it. You make it a prayer. It's built in scripture. It's built in the promises of God. It's built in who God sees you to be. And you speak it. When you get up, you know who you are in Christ. You know what God has done. I know where I've come from. I know where I'm going, Jesus said in John 8, 14. And I can declare that because I know my purpose in God and I know what he has for me. His will is good for me. It's pleasing. He's going to work all things out for good because I know that I love him. I know that my desire is to serve him. It's daily affirmation. So I, I, I've got to feed my mind. The second battle plan is you got to free your mind. You got to free your mind. You see, transforming your thoughts means that there is some things that's got to be reprogrammed. Some things that's got to be done. And so to free your mind, first of all, I would say you free your mind from the pressures of this life. You got to remember that as you follow him, as you take up your cross and you walk with him, as you're a follower of Christ, Luke chapter 9 says that when you daily deny and you follow him and you pick up your cross and you come after him, when you do that, you will gain the whole world. Because you are beginning to look to him. I mean, when you begin to realize nothing is more important than aligning my life with Christ. Man, the pursuits of this world, the things that I thought were a priority that brings anxiousness and worry and so much weight upon me, the things of this world that weigh me down, I have the choice. And I'm going to free my mind from the pressures of this life. 
I've got to remember and I've got to remind you as a pastor that life is not about just getting. It's not just about accumulating. It's not about just controlling. It's not about just climbing a, a, a corporate ladder in our positions. It's, it's not about all of the things that the world would tell us it's about. No, life about yielding and surrendering and being more like Christ, being united with Christ, having the mind of Christ. So I've got to free my mind. I've got to, I've got to begin to transform my mind about the pressures of this world. Why am I feeling this? Why is this happening? Secondly, can I say that you got to free your mind from the fears about the future? Some of you are paralyzed in your faith because of the fear of what's going to happen in the future. You're thinking about the future and there's so much fear. There's anxiety. What's going to happen? Who's going to do this? What about my grandkids? What about the economy? What about that and this and that? And man, social media is just, man, social media is just stoking it like a fire. And all of a sudden, all these fears. What about, what about, what if, this and that? All I could say to you is free your mind from fear. Let good thoughts begin to come in. Remind yourself that God is sovereign. That God is a good God. That God will lead us and guide us and protect us. And remind yourself that in the end times, there will be great distress. He's not going to remove us from the distress. It's coming. So give me strength as I come into it. If all of that stuff is going to be happening, then God, we're in the end times and I need more strength. My faith needs more strength. My confidence in you needs strength, oh God. And God, give me faith to believe that you're going to see us through. You're going to deliver us. That God, I've got confidence that you are in control. A third thing that you got to free your mind from is, I think, the mistakes of the past. Some of you in this room, your regret is so great. Your regret of the past is, is holding you back from living your best life now. It's holding you back. Paul says this in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all of it, I've already been made perfect. No, I've not. But he says, I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He goes on to say, brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself to have, have taken hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining to what is ahead. Now, by the way, if I could pause right there. I think you got to forget not only your failures, but you got to forget your successes. Some of you are living in the success of the past and what you did in the past and what life used to be like in the past. And now you're not allowing God to do greater things in the present. Forgetting what's behind, what's in the past. And now I'm pressing. One thing I do, I'm pressing forward, straining towards what is ahead. And he finishes that verse by saying, I press on toward the goal to win the prize in which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
I mean, if I could remind you again, if I could remind you, if I could, you're clean, you're forgiven. You don't have to do penance for what you've done. No, God redeems you. You're not a second-class citizen. No, your past is behind you. You are born again. You're adopted into the family of God. Today, if you give your life to Christ, you're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. He has a good plan, a good future. He's got a good purpose. When you live your life heaven-bound, He loves you, and He cares for you, and He redeems you thought I give to you is you feed your mind you free your mind and you focus your mind you change your focus we get to do that the attitude indicators you and I get to do it we make the decision so focus focus on Jesus we're going to sing that song think about your suffering he knows your trials he knows your temptations and your difficulties the griefs the sorrows the struggles the pain keep your mind on Jesus let him be your example keep on keeping on can I hear an amen he's endured and he'll help you to endure another thing I would say there is that you got to focus on serving others I love the way Paul says it in Philippians 2. Think about others. And he says, don't just think about yourself in your own affairs, but instead on others. Be interested in others. You see, I know there's a lot of movement. Bring her right here. We spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves. The change in focus is to begin to focus on others. When we begin to change our focus to how can we minister to others? How can we show God's love? How can we do good deeds to others? I got to tell you, you got to get out of the house. You got to get off social media and out of TV. You got to get out. Maybe, maybe this week you need to sign up and head on over to Fort Myers. Just give a day of serving. Focus on others. Take your children and go and serve. Let them see something that gets their eyes off of themselves. I mean, Hebrews said, think, let us think how we can encourage one another by showing love. And lastly, the focus, I think, is if I can say focus on eternity, I'll keep my eyes on Jesus. When I do that, it changes everything. Can I hear amen? If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.